Hello and welcome to the official Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson. Joining me is Shona Hickmore and the first time in a long time, Corey Travers. Welcome back to the show, Corey. Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, To be fair to Corey, let's be fair to Corey. Corey was at the end of the season podcast. Yes. It's only like one podcast to go, so he hasn't been like MIA. Time-wise, it's been a long time. He's only technically missed one episode, but it's been a while since I heard his voice. So I can be happy about that, right? Yeah. Right on. Well, you know, you've, you got, guys too. <laughs> you've got, you don't have any Oilers things to be happy about. So Corey may be the highlight of your night. Yeah, Good exactly. job, Corey, for showing up. <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've only been, uh, we haven't recorded a podcast in only about a day, but uh, since that's happened, it's so much has happened for the Edmonton Oilers and a lot of it, not so great. The big thing, uh, that happened on expansion day this past Wednesday was instead of taking uh, Tyler Benson, like we initially thought the Kraken actually went out and signed Adam Larson and poached him away from the Oilers after it was thought that Larson and the Oilers were very close on a contract. So we lost our second mm-hmm. uh, right-hand defenseman leaves a huge hole on the roster. Um, initially I thought, you know, maybe, maybe it's just going to be Bouchard's role. But apparently we're going over to Tyson Berry again. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Not not a big fan of going back to Berry again. Yeah. Uh, you know, he did fine. Uh, we I think we talked about Barry in every podcast we did during the season about not how, every podcast. We missed him last podcast. I guess we yes, were here, know. but we didn't talk about him last podcast. <laughs> um, you know, he did fine at what he was supposed to do last year, but he's just very limited in what he offers. He's just a power play guy. Offers a little bit of offense five on five, but he he makes up for that in, in a bad way by not being very good defensively five on five. Uh, so you know I'm not I'm not a huge. I know a lot of people are bothered with uh, with Larson leaving. I'm I'm glad that it was Larson rather than Benson. I guess that the Kraken got, and yeah. I'm also glad that I, I feel like it's an opportunity for uh, Tippett to actually play Bouchard. I mean, there's been a million opportunities for Tippett to play Bouchard <laughs> but if this is the the reason that he actually gets some ice time it'll end up end up working out but I, I don't know I'm not confident that uh that Tippett's gonna make the right decision there yeah I think he needs to be forced to play Bouchard because he seems to have a vendetta against him this past season Shona what are your thoughts on Barry I don't know that replacing Adam Larson with Tyson Barry makes any sense at all since they're like <laughs> apples and oranges as defensemen go so like how can you say like you can sure if you're gonna hold on yeah that's my feelings on it cat fight got some Um, cats in the back there uh if i like i don't think it makes any sense at all because you know what larson did if that's what you're trying to replace barry doesn't do that like if you want to sign barry that's one thing sign barry um please don't sign barry but if you want to, if you want to, if you want to sign Barry, that's one thing. But to say you're signing Barry to replace Larson is a completely different thing because Barry's not even close to the same skill set, right? Yeah. Like you, when you sign Barry, you're halfway to signing a forward, you know. And Larson is like halfway to being a goalie, basically. Yeah. You know, that's a, I like that analogy. So, yeah, that's a pretty. So good. you know. To say, oh, I'm going to sign my halfway forward to replace my halfway goalie makes zero sense to me, you know? Yeah, it, it really sounds like a panic move by Ken Holland. Like, he lost out on the guy that he thought he was going to have, so he's going to revert back to the other right-hand defenseman because he needs to win something. He needs to get something out of this, right? 
can't lose both. So yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think it's it makes absolutely no sense to replace uh, a defensive defenseman in Adam Arson with an offensive offenseman like Tyson Berry. And if you're bringing back He's an Tyson Berry, defenseman, he just offends you, Preston. Call <laughs> him an offensive offenseman. <laughs> oh, sorry, mistake there. But uh, if you're if you're bringing back Barry, then you have three guys on the right hand side who aren't relatively known for being like defensive stalwarts. You got Ethan Bear, Tyson Berry, and Evan Bouchard. I think having two of those guys is completely. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I th- I think you think Evan Bouchard's making a game this year. I Ken Holland has said he's going to be an everyday guy, and I know Ken Holland has said a lot of things. Oh, 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 but oh! I, Ken Holland is outright lied to your face, and you're gonna. That's you're gonna true. That is very Holland. true. <laughs> I would not be surprised, but if if we're bringing I, back I like, like, Tyson okay. Berry, let me say I would like Evan Bouchard in the lineup, but unlike Corey, I have no faith that that will actually happen. <laughs> Corey's letting his Evan Bouchard goggles like you know make this I, all rosy. Uh, I want my Evan. Bou- I want to put my Evan Bouchard goggles on and never take them off. I don't think it's too oh, much God. to ask that the best defensive prospect we've had in like a decade plays a couple games. But <laughs> it's pretty sad you that we're think. in this, this this discussion right but now. You know what? I I I didn't think it was too much to ask in a, a shortened season that the best defensive prospect we've had in a decade play more than the occasional game, and apparently it was so. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So if we get um, Tyson Berry here is is going to create a, a lot of problems in just the lineup of things. Like we're going to be paying Tyson Berry at least $4 million, Ooh. but he's not even our best right-hand defenseman. I think Ethan Bear is a much better all-around player than he is already. And Evan Bouchard is going to be a lot of the same. And he's going to be able to go onto the power play and probably perform if not like just as good, if not better than Barry. So it makes absolutely no sense to me. I think we're better off. I think we're honestly better off running a top four on the right-hand side with Ethan Bear with Darnell Nurse and then putting Bouchard on the second pairing because I think he's that good already. If you're not confident, go to free agency, get a David Savard, get another guy. There are better, way better options out there. I am sorry. Do not let Ken Holland go to free agency. I asked you to do this last time we did a podcast. Have someone who actually knows how to player evaluate and whatever and make deals and not get hosed, you know, have them go to free agency and have Kevin or Ken Holland phoning somebody within the organization yeah, thinking he's making playful, deals, make him, make him feel you like know, <laughs> because I honestly think that if Ken Holland goes to free agency, your cap space is is far more limited than you would think it would appear because hmm. Ken Holland has shown so far at least no ability to be, you know, at this season, no, and in this off season and this, you know, this piece to be a really strong negotiator and get somebody in, you know, so sure the Oilers could get somebody in free agency, but if Ken Holland's doing the negotiation, we're paying like way too much, I think. So. Yeah. And it worries me too, is that like, you know, that Duncan Keith is going to play top four minutes. Uh, because they wanted to acquire you know? I I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm pretty he's, sure he's, he's gonna top start four. on top four minutes. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Like it, it it could go terribly, but like <laughs> that's the plan as far as Ken Holland is planning it. So yeah, okay. And I, I'm gonna I, give you that's I'm not the a plan. big fan of having to have an Adam Larson type, like super shut down, doesn't move the puck at all type defender on your team necessarily. Like he is fine at that role, he's the best type of He's the best. He's he's quite good at being that type of player, even though that type of player isn't usually all that valuable. 
but I just feel like there's no way that Ken Holland lets Duncan Keith play with someone who's not like an Adam Larson type. Like, I feel like he has to go out and just because that's the way Ken Holland thinks, not necessarily because that's the way I do it, but I feel like Ken Holland's got to spend some more money on the, on the blue line or he's going to. Yeah. And another name that I heard, uh, especially today on uh, Thursday, when we're recording this podcast is Rasmus Ristolainen of Buffalo. And I gotta say that's, that's another very bad option for the Oilers. He was uh, probably the worst strategy. player on the worst team in the league. And he, the, the Sabres are better without him on the ice. And it, that's, that's a really like harsh statement to put on a player. That, hey, 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 hey. He is sounding like an awesome target. Worst player or worst defenseman, defensive player on the ice at any given time on a really bad team in the NHL. You know, um, team is uh, statistically better when he's not playing. This is exactly what Ken Holland seems to be looking for. Well, Ken Holland's going to go to Rasmus Ristolainen's hockey DB page and he's going to look at the bio and he's going to see six foot four, 221 pounds. There we go. That's what I need. And then that's how he's going to go. But, but, he's gonna but go will he see? But will he see anything in the records and, you know, accomplishments book? The guide and record book, that's true. He, he probably won't find him in there. So do we know that Ken Holland knows that Rasmus Ristolainen exists? He's not in that book? I, I figure that next target, Corey, you weren't here for me being snarky last time. I figure our next target is going to be someone like Maurice Richard, never mind that he's dead. Yeah. He's all over the record and guide book, <laughs> right? So, for you know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I've heard good things. Yeah, like, no, really good things. A sparkling resume. Yeah. Um, they even had a whole riot in Montreal way back in the before. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Corey, uh, what were your thoughts on Rasmus Ristolainen? I'm guessing it lines up with us. I'm, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Um, yeah. You guys know that I'm a bit of a an analytics guy. You yeah. know, I like to look at that kind of stuff every now and then, even though I, I'd say I'm a little bit more... Uh, you know, I, I like the offensive guys quite a bit and Ristolainen, I guess, would by default be an offensive guy because he sure as hell isn't a defensive guy. <laughs> but uh, no, he's I, I don't think he's a, he's a guy you want to try to go after for really any price. I mean, him and Duncan Keith playing together would everyone in the Pacific Division might get 100 points. Like and I'm talking six defensemen. <laughs> well, especially um, especially if Mike Smith's career goes closer back to his career like he had a um yeah yeah like I know Smith was re-signed today and I know he had a fantastic year last year but if he regresses back closer to his normal mean which is way closer to 900 than it is 940 you know like if you don't have a if you have a I don't know piecemeal defense let's call it that I'm Mm. being polite and um uh inconsistent goalie Corey's like every hundred points for everyone. <laughs> it just feels like Ken Holland's playing Russian roulette with that signing there. I mean, it worked out last time, but it's coming yeah, back to you and it might not work hey, out so well. Didn't now. we from the very first podcast episode, just, just to, to be like, um, we've been being we in the like, for a long time. Isn't, wasn't it? We said we were really pleasantly surprised, but please don't resign. Smith. Just walk away from yeah. the table. And he didn't do that. He didn't only walk back to the table. He doubled the bet. Uh, and went back to it again so it's but at it's, least i said this to you preston at least he didn't uh pay out as much as some of the original estimations were oh god I the four-year rumors oh, the four-year or the four million dollar a year rumors um at least that's not what smith's contract looks like so i will be 
pleasantly surprised that Ken Holland didn't overpay, you know, pleasantly surprised. I'll give him that one. He yeah. shouldn't have done it. Like who's going to give Mike Smith a four-year contract? It's not like anyone else is out there offering it to him. I think well, I, I legitimately honest, I think that else was even offering a two-year contract. Yeah. I legitimately no. think we were the only ones that would have given him a two-year contract. I think this is another one of those situations where Ken Holland just blew his leverage. I feel like this guy doesn't know when he has all, all when he holds all the cards, right? Like he he could have grinded down Smith right into free agency, and I'm sure we would have gotten him back on a one year deal at a cheaper price point. But he he blew all the cards. He blew his blues chance before everyone else had it, had a chance. So well, and I I think that's the one thing. Like um, maybe Ken Holland has guys and he wants to do right by them or whatever he'll say. Um, but also, I guess doing right by the guys doesn't always do right by the team. Also, so I, I think, think we should point out that we still have, uh, no, what's his name? Uh, Alex Dalek. Ken, Ken Hitchcock uh, calling the shots too behind the scenes as well. He's still with the organization. So it's a, oh. I think it's a whole lot of outdated hockey minds behind hey, some of these decisions. Hey, can we circle back to the fact we still have Alex Dalek under contract? Yeah, well, that's, a, that's another thing. I want to talk about the goalie since Mike Smith signed <laughs> that two-year deal today for, uh, I think, 4.4 uh, total cost with 2.2 AAV. Um, so we have Mike Smith under contract, Miko Koskinen. I still like the guy, but, um, I don't see him coming back with the Oilers. And we also have Alex Stalock under contract. So yeah, where are we going with goalies here? <laughs> I, I don't know. know I'll, give you, I'll give you this one. And it's not that it's the goalies. It's that the Oilers management is voodoo. And I, I don't understand because you would have thought that they would have been kind of maybe going in a developmental direction, mm-hmm. getting a younger, you know, seasoned or a goalie that's performed well in the AHL um do you know be Stuart part skinner of the team like like we could well skinner i that's didn't really think that they the were going to do next season, eh? yeah i didn't think I mean, that they yeah. were going to bring skinner up but i i did think that they should try you know a younger goalie like i i Koskinen's, always... Koskinen's not a spring chicken yeah I, I like um, uh, I like Linus Allmark out of Buffalo. I thought he he played on a bad team in Buffalo, but he still put up some pretty respectable stats, which shows that there's something there, right? Like he's faced yeah some hard competition, but came out pretty decently. Um, so that's a guy I had my eyes on. Obviously, Chris Dreger's off the board now that he went to Seattle and signed there. But uh, in Ken Holland's press conference um, at the end of the trade freeze today. He mentioned that he was going to try to get someone on right defense. He's going to acquire a top six forward. That's probably Hyman. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But um, he didn't, I didn't think he mentioned goalies at all. So I'm worried that he signed Mike Smith and he's like, okay, we're done. We got our guy. And he's not going to do anything else. He's just going to roll with Smith and uh, who knows, stay locked. Maybe we do keep Koskinen, in, but either one of those tandems don't, uh, instill a lot of confidence in me at, at all and in, in a year that we're supposed to be going for it right we've heard that from media t- t- these weeks yeah but i, I honestly going think for it. we're going to get to about december and we're going to start hearing that rhetoric where you know oh well it, it just isn't our year you know mm-hmm. we're, we're just about there right that same rhetoric we heard um at the end of last year where um i think honestly management knows they're not deep enough Mm-hmm. But they're not, um, for whatever reason, and this drives me nuts about the Oilers. Um, I'll drive me nuts about anyone um, because it is the very definition of insanity. They know um, what they're doing isn't working and they keep doing it, right? So, you know, you're bringing in guys and, you know, like you're signing guys that are 
you know, Duncan Keese or Mike Smith or whatever, these known guys, but they're not giving you the push you need to, to be a, a contender. But every time you go out to free agency, those are the people you target, like not necessarily those people, but like that, 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 um, yeah. So you know that these aren't, these players aren't even with, even with Connor McDavid and Liam Dreisaitl and, you know, for argument's sake, Darnell Nurse, who people are, are, are arguing is like, you know, one of the Oilers better defensemen in the last decade. Um, uh, you're not, you're not able to get forward. Like you're hitting this first round of a postseason, whatever that first round looks like, wall, mm-hmm. but you still keep going back and picking up the exact same things, you know? Yeah, it makes Which is sense. to me the very definition of insanity. Oh yeah, we got a bunch of bets last year because that's what they did in free agency last yeah. year. You know, they they got a they okay, they took a couple chances out of Europe on European imports that didn't play more than a handful of games in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um they sat there, young kids. They played these vets. And they know, played and the last bad year, vets, too, is the thing. Well, I last year it was Ennis like... was better than all the vets they played. I mean, yeah. Like, but even, like, if you think, like, they went out last year and they targeted players like Barry, you know, who everyone was like, well, you know, he had a bad year, but he's a great player. But he's also an older player, you mm-hmm. know. So the, they, he's done this very intentional, like, kind of mold of player he's looking for. And he keeps going after it and it keeps not being enough to be a cup contender. Mm. And I don't know when. It um, just shows a lack of, a lack of, a, a lack of um, this ability to change your mindset. And that, in this, in this league, you need to be able to do that. You can't set your sights on one type of player and be like, this is a player that's going to make me win. You have to change it. You have to, 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 depending on what's available, you have to change your interest. You have to change your needs. You have to, it's, you can't just stay looking for the same thing Poor, every single year. Preston, let me give you the pandemic word I heard a million times. You have to pivot, pivot. Yeah, pivot. <laughs> um, so sick of that word by the time um, we got through the first like eight months of the pandemic, yeah. but it's true here. Um, and I haven't seen any of that flexibility or adaptability in, in the Oilers recruitment style. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hopeful. I, very small, hopeful, like, you know, being crushed under the boot heel of the Oilers. But I'm hopeful that maybe this free agency, they do something completely off the board. Yeah. But I, I don't expect it. Don't expect you know? a Dougie Hamilton, though, because he said he wasn't big game hunting on defense. So Dougie but Hamilton. Didn't he tell you he wasn't adding depth players? Yeah, that's at the true. I don't know. What, uh, Ken Holland's just full of shit most of the time. So. Maybe he doesn't know that Dougie Hamilton is a good player and he'll like sign him anyway and it'll work out i don't know maybe yeah, he'll say, yeah, and then, then he'll be so a inept that thing. he somehow does something right <laughs> is well you know that's happened before right neil for lucic for the very at least for the very first bit worked out really well mm-hmm. i still think calgary got the the uh butt end of the stick on that trade because i think lucic has been worse for them than neil has been for us overall well mike smith right? too he won he won the bet there he, he yeah but he lost out. the bet the first time yeah like the first sure. time Mike, you know, that first 1920 season, Mike Smith's performance was, was really one of the, down. Yeah. Well, it was one of the reasons I think the Oilers um, struggled so much as a team to gain any momentum and, mm-hmm. and, you know, were in the situation they were in where they were playing in instead of being one of the teams that was just in. Yeah. Because it's really hard. I think 
you know, you hear this all the time. It's hard for a team to get consistency when there's no consistency in that. And Mike's, like you said, Mike Smith was hot or Mike Smith was like ice cold. <laughs> not so, yeah, I think he had a sub, uh, he had a sub, uh, uh he had a sub 900 percentage by the time he yeah, finished that season. Finished that season. So it wasn't and that's way closer to his like actual career percentage. Yeah, if I'm I'm just looking over it here, and he's a lot closer to like uh, at like 902. He's yeah, I think I was gonna say he's like if he's over 900. I was talking to someone. I think he's like depending on you know how many recent seasons you put in. If you like have a cutoff, whatever, he's like 898, or he's like in the low 90 somethings, right? Yeah. Uh, statistically, he's not a not he's not even a 915, a 910 goalie career wise. So. Um, rolling the dice on a 40 year old goalie uh, mm-hmm. with an awful track record and uh, history of being hot and cold is an interesting choice. I'm going to go with interesting. Inter- interesting is a, uh, it's a word that you could use to describe that situation. Well, sure. I haven't said a four letter word that makes Preston put an explicit tag on this. Uh, yet. I, I already earned our explicit tag. I said, yeah, but I there, haven't so, done it. Yeah. I haven't done it. <laughs> uh, Corey, you've been quiet here. Um, so what were your thoughts on uh, running, running back Smith? I, well, or did, did you already tell me? I can't remember. No, yeah, I'm not a fan of running back Smith. I mean, yeah. As good as he was last year, and he was good. Like uh, we can't, you know, pretend. Yeah, that we'll give him the confetti board. But I just, I just don't like the bet for two years. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a one year. No one, no one else is going to offer him a two year contract. So just do a one year deal, mm-hmm. and then you can do it for one year. And if it doesn't work out, whatever, it's he's off the books right away. But just two years. I mean, I know it's not a lot of money for a guy who's presumably going to be the other starting goalie, which is kind of scary, but. I mean, I don't see anyone else being the starter on on day one other than Mike Smith. Well, especially with Dave Tippett as the coach, right? He's, he's, yeah, exactly. Even if we got a line with Olmark, I, I I highly doubt that Olmark would be have the starting position right away. Oh. I think that affinity no. that Tippett has for Smith it's is interesting. going to cloud his judgment. Because I think he's a huge uh, guy. I was actually thinking too when we were, when we were talking about uh, Holland deals, where like it could have worked out, like uh, like the like the Neil Lucic one, like the like the Smith one, I guess, which was. You did correctly point out that that didn't work out right away. The the Barry signing is actually another great example of one that could have been a really really smart pickup, where he takes Barry off a, a super down year, plays him with McDavid and Drysaddle a ton, gets a ton of points, and then he could have flipped him for like a huge profit, but yeah. he just held on to him too long. He just keeps on. Yeah, it's just you're not handling your assets well at all here, right? So no, like he he wins oh. a bet in the short term, but he ends up always losing in the long term. But yeah. that's the thing is, like the Barry one should be. It'll be, a, a, I think, an overall like, even if he'd finished the season and just let Barry walk, it would have been a wash for me. But I think it'll end up being a negative because I think he's going to overpay to bring Barry back now. Like uh-huh. yeah. Preston, you were saying in his press conference today that he he mentioned wanting to resign Barry specifically. Yeah. Um so now Barry's got all the leverage. He's had a fantastic <laughs> year. He's not coming off a down year. We just and lost a right-hand defenseman. defenseman. We're desperate. He um he has all the leverage and Ken Holland has none of it. Um so I don't see that being a particularly team friendly because I I don't understand why drives me nuts people were like well Larson should want to stay and play in Edmonton because Connor McDavid here is here and Leon Dreisaitl is here and all these all these um superstars are here but I don't understand why people think that yes Connor McDavid is here yes Leon Dreisaitl is here yes this team has the potential to be fantastic but it also has an awful track record 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, these guys don't come to play hockey to lose in the first round or not make the playoffs. Yeah. So if you're looking at it, it's, let's go to the guide and record book, Ken. Um, if you're a player and you want a Stanley Cup before you retire, are the Oilers a good bet? Yeah, not right now, no. Uh, but have they been a good the bet in the last 20 years? <laughs> yeah, well, no. exactly. Not yeah. so much, mm-hmm. right? Charitably, 20 years, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had one cup run. They've gotten out of the first round of the playoffs twice, you know, yeah. since 2006, 2005, 2006 season. They've gotten out of the, 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 the playoffs twice, you know. So since, you know, you, since your superstar was like, what, 10 years old, you've gotten out of the playoffs twice, out of the first round of the playoffs twice. Um, but you think that for some reason, because you have a superstar that you got because you were so bad, but haven't been able to turn into anything good, that people should want to play with you. Yeah, that just, they should want to. They should want to take much a on it. discount to play with Connor McDavid instead of playing against him. I saw that on Twitter. Oh, you know, Larson's being foolish. He should have just taken the deal to stay in Edmonton so he didn't have to defend against Connor McDavid. Okay, like Connor McDavid's great. But the Kraken aren't going to play every game against the Oilers. Yeah, there's only three games against him this season. So, <laughs> you know, so he has to defend against Connor McDavid three times, three games. And already looking at the way that the Kraken are built, they they may be. They may be challenging the Oilers for that final spot in the Pacific. Yeah, they might like be they, they have a potential. I don't know if, you know, knock on wood, I don't want them to be in other Vegas because mm-hmm. it's just depressing. Um, but they're better built top to bottom than the Oilers and they don't even exist yet. Yeah. You know? So I'm sorry. Like, why wouldn't you want out? Like mm-hmm. and, really and fans are a hard, are, are a hard fan group to play for. Cause we yeah. love you or we hate you equally, like quickly. We right. can and in like five minutes or love you, you know, and even I, Connor McDavid's not um, immune to it. Like how many times in the last year did we hear Connor McDavid doesn't defend enough? Oh, no, yeah. he's just scoring like or just contributing to like over half your goals but <laughs> he doesn't defend enough now because that's his job you know mm-hmm. so i don't know i always find that super interesting that idea that players should be grateful or humbled or want to play for the oilers yeah you know um i think barry is one that it will come up with because i think he's a western canadian kid if i remember correctly um, I don't think he's an Edmonton kid, but I think he's a Western Canadian kid. So everyone's like, well, he should want to, it's like hometown teamish almost. And you're just like, yeah, Victoria, BC, it's more of a Vancouver boy. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll give you that one. But, <laughs> um, you know, people seem to assume that you're going to want to play for the Oilers. Yeah. But I don't think that that's true. Cause I don't think like, even based on the metrics, I don't think that you look at the Oilers and think this is a team that's going to contend. You yeah, know? I, I agree completely. Okay, so I was going to do think for Ken's our, our first bit here. Uh, we're going <laughs> to go for a little ad break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, uh, what's his name? Hyman. What's his first name? Zach Hyman. Yeah. Jeez, forgot his first name already. He's on the verge of signing a very long-term deal with the Oilers. If we we are to believe reports, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what that signing could mean for the Oilers' top six. The draft, if you're listening to this, it's it's draft day. I, this is going to be released on Friday, so we'll talk about a little, a few prospects that I think the Oilers should take. We talked about costs in the last episode, 
And so I'll go over a little bit of a preview of what to expect there. Um, so yeah, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back here and we're going to be talking about uh, Zach Hyman coming to the Edmonton Oilers potentially on a seven to eight year deal. Now, the only way the Oilers can get an eight year deal with Hyman is if they trade for his rights with Toronto before the UFA uh, free agency period opens up on the 28th. And um, I got to say, I, ask? I, like, I like Hyman. I think Hyman's a good player. I think he would actually be really good on the first line with Connor McDavid. He's a good five on five player. So he'd help in that regard. But I like him there for like three, four years. Three, four years I can I, handle. But seven, eight, can, that's a little much. Can I ask why eight? Like, isn't I, seven I long know. enough? That's what like, I've been thinking. Why do you need to trade for that eighth year? <laughs> like, what? Especially if what? it's the type of deal that you sign and you're like, oh, well, we'll worry about it. We'll, we'll only worry about the last few years. Okay, then don't get that last year. Like, just put seven and you're fine. And imagine it's just try to try to keep the AAV down. Like, yes, yeah. They're going to try to get the lowest possible annual average value. I think that's what that stands for. Yeah. Um, and the only way they can do it is by spreading it out. And that's just to try to get more under the cap this season, which is yeah, legitimately going to be an issue for the Oilers. Yeah, it, would have it been shouldn't, issue. but it will no, be. It I, I like how we, we can bring up all these cap issues, but we're like, well, it wouldn't have been an issue if it was if Keith wasn't. Yeah, we don't need to say right. that anymore. You told it's me just I'm all about to just talk implied. about him. Every time we talk about the cap, just know that we imply things could be better if Keith wasn't acquired. Yeah, but I think he did mention that he was he was harping on that quite a bit in the press conference uh, today that he was trying to stretch out the the term to get the AAV down, and I think the AAV that we're looking at with Zach Hyman is going to be. Oh God, I think he's cheaper than Keith too. It's going to be like five point is, is I think it's five to 5.2 was the range kind of in between there, I think is what was reported over yeah. that course. But I kind of don't think it's worth it to have to give Toronto a bunch of stuff to get that eighth year because Toronto's GM can actually GM. Yeah, know? that's true. He, he wins trades with people. We lose them. Like that's the, that's like the very, like you know definition of a bad deal for us yeah i don't i don't want to go anywhere near near dubis you know he's lost trades too like the nick felino deal he has quite crap but, he's but won you know, a lot more than ken his track holland. Record, yeah you're, you're right his track record is a lot better than ken holland's uh in recent years here so uh, just I'd argue for him, more like, than the reason. Don't let him years. sharpen his like swords on our jam. <laughs> well, we we got fleeced by Stan Bowman, so I, I'm terrified yeah, I'm about saying, what Kyle Dubas like, could do. You don't need to. You don't need to. <laughs> just because the the guys that can't normally fleece other people can fleece us doesn't mean the guys that can normally fleece other people need to be given a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I like the player. I think he's going to do well if we do get him, but that term is is very, especially the way he plays. He's a he's a physical player. He's had some tro- some knee problems in the past, um, and I've seen a lot of people say, "Well, what happens when he gets that next knee? Is the next knee injury his last injury? Is he done after that?" So he carries a lot of risk, but I just I don't know. I think I think he's too, going to the Oilers a hundred percent, but that term scares me quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. That's I think the way I think about it as well, uh, he's a, he's actually a really useful player, a guy who would probably mesh really well with either McDavid or Dreisaitl, uh, kind of like a puck retrieval specialist, got really strong 
underlying numbers uh, possession wise and also contributes five of five scoring quite strongly for someone who's available and not going to cost upwards of six million dollars a year. Um, but yeah, the concern is injuries and the fact that he's, I believe, 29 already and you want to give him a seven or eight year, year deal when, you know, he's got one or two more years where he's at the absolute top of his game. And then you start to see slow decline over the next few years. I mean, is someone like a Zach Hyman going to be both useful and healthy past the age of 35? Like usually not. Usually guys who aren't stars in their 20s, and I wouldn't say he's a star, he's a very good player, yeah. uh, don't, you know, don't even play in their, their late 30s because you have to have a really, really high ceiling to still be useful at that point in your career, which is depressing as a 30-year-old. But uh, yeah, no, it's... It's, it's one of those deals that they're going for it now. They know that they're going to have to kind of eat some bad money later in the deal. I actually don't mind it because you do have to, you know, put, in, in isolation, I don't mind it, I should say. Yeah. And that you actually have to go for it a bit uh, mm. with McDavid in his prime, with Drysidle in his prime. I just wish they hadn't made all those other bad deals that makes the money a little bit more of – you know, a concern. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, like the Keith deal. The Keith deal did nothing. Like yeah. it, all it did is just put us in more of a fucking terrible spot with, with the cap. Uh, Corey's allowed because he didn't show up to the last stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, one thing I think I do find, and Zach Hyman is what I'm thinking of, um, one thing I do find really charming about Zach Hyman, and I would let them sign him for like a couple years just for this, is I think he's a children's author. Yeah. Like, I think he has like legit children's books out there. And I find that super charming. Cause like, how this up. he is like, look it up, Preston, as yeah, we podcast, he's legit you. a children's author. And like, um, I don't think you can be like a horrible human being <laughs> and have the, the general purity to write children's books. Yeah, so, no, yeah, I did not know that he's the author of Hockey Hero and The Bambino in Me, two inspiring sports themed picture books. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So I feel like he's got to be <laughs> at base a better person than the last trade. Yeah. <laughs> or no, signing. Yeah. It's going to be pretty hard to be shittier than Duncan Keith, especially. But um, like, I find it super charming. I would give Zach Hyman a couple years at $5 million just because that little factoid is super charming and he doesn't seem like he'd suck right yeah no like, sure. hockey wise you seem like, like you'd that. be a good yeah. fit you're you're also a children's author and i find that charming you can have a two-year deal <laughs> you know? this is why i'm That's not cool. a hockey okay. GM. that makes me oh. feel a little bit better about uh the but i'd be like i'd be like zach book. hyman but you have to you have to donate children's books to underprivileged libraries all right like that's the deal <laughs> like we employ you we give you five million dollars a year to play a game basically but you need to do community work while you're here because otherwise there's, there's, there's an untapped uh, age group go, here you can get into go, uh, just from go do like read in week or something like just dazzle small children <laughs> go <laughs> Yeah. Which has got nothing to do with his hockey, but uh, is like when I think of Zach Hyman, that's what I'm like. I don't hate it because he's a children's <laughs> hard hitting hockey analysis. Very hard hitting by Shona there. Um, Corey, I, I I agree with you there. I think that was a good point you made. The Car McDavid, Leon Draisaitl entering the prime, they're going to be out of their contracts within the next what was it, five years or something. 
the, the window is closing quickly on the Oilers to succeed here. So to get it, to go out and get a guy to place on that top line and hope he's good for the next like three or four years and kind of forget about the last half of the contract. I, I can get behind that. I can, I can definitely get behind that if it helps uh, keep Car McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl here for a little bit longer. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. So curiosity question, because someone told me, I was talking to someone about hockey and they told me, oh, Connor McDavid will never ask for a trade out of Edmonton. And I thought that sounded like, let me add to Preston's uh, um, explicit tag, bullshit, because Connor yeah. McDavid is one of the most competitive people ever to like compete at anything. So like um, Matt on our Twitter is often saying like, how much longer do you think he's going to be satisfied with losing? Yeah. Right. Like oh, he's been with the Oilers. How many years are we at? Like seven, five or six, six, something like that. Right. Uh, 2015, 2021. So six. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Six. How yeah. much longer do you think he's going to be happy? He's not happy right now with uh, where they're going out. That's pretty obvious. Like the, and this is, I guess, you know, to Corey's point, to Preston's point, they need to do something that proves that they actually want to win a cup with Connor McDavid here. Or Connor McDavid's going to be like, send me elsewhere. Right. And we're and we're then, in a period of, of, of hockey um, where stars aren't afraid to request trades. We've seen it with, look at John Tavares. He, he signed out of New York. Uh, you have guys like Petrangelo. You have, you have so many examples of these guys, Jack Eichel right now, who aren't afraid to ask out. And to be honest, it's completely within their right. I don't think I would hold it against Connor McDavid if we were continued to be shit and couldn't get past the first round. And at the end of his contract says, well, I put in like 10 years here and you guys have not shown any willingness to compete. So why should I stick around if you're not doing well, your job? Right. To so to be honest, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't blame Connor McDavid if it was before the end of his contract. Yeah. No, for right? sure. Like if I he mean, got he's through honestly, two, like, it's pretty two, more, two three more years of this. He hasn't done it already. Yeah, um, right. Not that it's not respectable to ask out of your contract. I mean, I'm hundred percent pro labor in pretty much every way shape and form but uh but no just like as an Oilers fan I'm just glad that he hasn't asked out already I mean he's pretty much got every right to like the Oilers Mm -hmm. have been shit he has been carrying them he has been the best player in the league for the past like four years at least and he's only in his sixth year like it's ridiculous he's well two hard trophies three Ted Lindsay's like absolutely insane yeah but you know you've got all that on this team and it can't get out of the first round so like, I think you're both hundred percent, right? Like, okay. You're eating cap. Maybe, maybe, maybe Ken Holland's moved on and you can trade, you know, Zach Hyman in the last four years, full salary to somebody else. Right. But if you don't do something now to prove that you're, you're determined and you're dedicated, those stars aren't going to want to stick around. Cause like I said, they don't, they don't, the goal is not to make the NHL for stars. Like, McDavid and Drysaddle. The goal is cups, right? We talked about this last before the playoffs. Like he's won everything else. What doesn't he have? A Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he wants. So the team, if they they really want to prove that they care about Connor McDavid, need to go make the moves to get him one. Yep. Or get yep. the, or, you know they could just prove that they care about Edmonton and the people who spend like eighty bucks to sit in the nosebleeds of their awful arena that the city's paying 600 million dollars for you know yeah. um for them to get the revenue of for the first 50 years like that would be that would be fine you could do that you could do it for the rest of the edmonton too you know the problem so. with like the ken hollands of the world i mean specifically in edmonton's case ken holland is that 
I feel like he actually thinks he's like doing his job well. That's yeah. scary. That's the scary part yeah. of it all. <laughs> the but real the real person that we should that who's actually just kind of milking Oilers fans for all their worth is Daryl Cates. I mean, yep. he's gotta know that there are better management types he could hire out there. And he doesn't really care because the Oilers are competitive. And as long as they're competitive, people will go to the game, pay top dollar, and you know, he'll he'll make a ton of money. Uh, he doesn't really need the team to be like a Stanley Cup winner, like to fill the arena. You just can't have them falling out of relevancy. So, like, no, Daryl Gates is really the bad guy in all this, whereas Ken Holland is just, like, a guy who's not very good at his job. Which... He's, like, the mini-boss that you have to fight through to exactly. get to the, to the main boss, right? So... But, like, the argument can be made that um, even with a lackluster owner, like, had we had um, – had, had there been some smart choices in, like, management, um, you know – there could have been a lot more competitive team. Like they could have won oh, in, sure. spite Darryl, mm-hmm. in spite of Daryl Cates, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think that it's uh, it should continue to be really disappointing to Oilers fans how, you know, I know people who've had season tickets since 1979, you know, and what have they had for the last 20 years to really, to really justify that loyalty, you know? So I think that, I think the Oilers are very lucky that Edmonton has such a diehard fan base because if they were in a different area, let's say um, Tampa or Arizona or oh, it'd be you know, game any, over. one of those numerous places where the NHL, the Oilers fans squawk because the NHL has bailed those teams out, they would be that team, yeah. right? Because they're not, overall, they're not marketable. They have stars that are marketable, but overall a team that can't, can't close the deal. isn't marketable. Like Tampa Bay is super marketable right now. Like Bashaleski's wearing the con smice on his head and I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's looking cool. at a team like Vegas, it anyway. right? success, <laughs> right? success um, in the league leads to success off the ice. And I, I, I just don't understand oh, think why of we're so dedicated to mediocrity here in Edmonton. Like they did so well after they won the cup that following year in, in revenues, maybe not on the ice, but in revenues, they did really well. Right? Mm-hmm. Their building was full, yeah. which isn't always the case. You know, if you won a cup in Edmonton, you, you could milk that for five years of like oh, yeah. buildings. Oh man. You can milk that for like, they've milked their last cup from 1990 for 30 years. Yeah. Like, We're still yeah. living. Okay, I'm going to give you that one. There. Yeah. But <laughs> Preston's not old enough for that cup. No, I I wasn't alive during that cup. Like, that's ridiculous. I'm 30. God damn it, you children. (laughs) Am I the only one on this podcast that was alive for the last cup? This is this is one of the funniest things I've seen on Twitter, actually, recently. Someone on Twitter was like, uh, oh, these Oilers fans. He was an Oilers fan himself. He was like, oh, these Oilers fans are so... They're so whiny. You know, I lived through all five of the cups. I know I know how, how much it hurts. I'm just like, no, you don't. You saw five cups. That's not, not nearly the same as going your entire life with like four season, series wins. It's not the same, man. No. It's, it's we discovered man. Preston was six last time the others won a playoff series. Uh, no, 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 not six. Oh. 17, 2017. 
Yeah, they won't. Yeah, yeah true. So they beat the Bay. Sharks. I remember that. Yeah. as a good memory for me. Because like one of the only good memories for me. Okay? So, so that's gonna have to carry you for a bit. Just go to that. It, car- it carried me for a few years. It's starting to dwindle now. So, <laughs> but I'm I'm just saying like I think that this has been a fan base that the NHL should feel privileged that it's got, despite mm-hmm. all of its eccentricities. Look at that's my nice word. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think, and you're right, Corey, it's Daryl Cates, I think, you know, um, and it's nonsense, like threatening to move the team if you don't get a new arena and stuff like that, that just shows like a deep disrespect for the ties that this team and this city have to each other. You know, um, Preston, I know you're not originally from Edmonton, you're from north of Edmonton, and Corey, I think you are originally from Edmonton, even though you've lived other places, right? I wasn't born here, but I grew up here in Edmonton, yeah. Fine, you're originally from Edmonton. This is where you remember being. Um, So I I think, like, um, there is, like, people who've who've grown up in, like, Edmonton or even farther north, like Preston, in, in what's traditionally called oil country, have, like, a special connection to this team right um no matter that they're awful i uh i grew up what or i didn't grow up watching hockey like my grandparents watched hockey and i'd watch with my grandfather and it was like the late 90s early aughts when they were just eighth seed out in the first round right those are fun teams um and yet still, like, still there's this connection where I didn't even like hockey. And I can tell you about like the, you know, late nineties, early aughts where we were eight seed and we were playing the Dallas stars like three years in a row. And one year we got by them and it was great celebration. Preston, you weren't born yet. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> Corey, maybe you were, I don't know. Um, oh, Corey was. But, but you know, like, uh, and I don't, I didn't like them. Like the, the connection of this, this team to this city, honestly, I think um, deserves better than Ken Holland and, and what they've been doing. Yeah. So, yeah, no, for sure. This fan base deserves a lot better than what Ken Holland has been doing. Except when they're being racist assholes and then they deserve exactly what they've gotten. Oh yeah. Let well, me be clear. When they're being I'm, racist, homophobic or otherwise asshole-ish, they deserve exactly what they've gotten. I'm not going to paint everyone with the same brush, but it seems like a lot of people I interact with on Twitter, not all of them, so if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not this, and I defend Ken Holland, I acknowledge that. But a lot of them, there's a lot of crossover with uh, those uh, those racists and, and and xenophobic and just all all the phobics, the the bad all the bad things you could be. That uh, there's a lot of crossover with them and people who uh, just love to to lick the boots of uh, Ken Holland and defend everything he does. Well, it's not the lick the boots of Ken Holland to be fair, Preston. It's um follow without questioning whatever an authority figure tells you yeah is that appeal to authority yeah before that it, it's ken holland for a while it was sheer rally, you know yeah. um so we've got a lot of oilers fans that just and for better or for worse um they want to trust that the team management knows what they're doing i think to a lot of cases that's to their detriment but you know if we had a good team management that would be great you know. Yeah, people are often saying, well, you're criticizing for the sake of criticism. If this team was winning, there would be little criticism. I can guarantee you that, but they haven't been winning. When failure does not warrant praise, failure warrants criticism. So you're going to hear a lot of it when the team fails. So, um, 
Yeah. Anyway, Preston, tell us about draft picks because we're running way behind. We we only have about, I want to go for our four or five minutes, so we'll do a little lightning round here. The Oilers are going into the draft with pick number 19. I think it would be technically 20, but the Arizona Coyotes don't hold a first round pick, so it's it's, it's 19. Let's not fool ourselves here um, and overcomplicate things. So Ken Holland said that they're probably not drafting a defenseman with that pick. And we didn't think they're going to draft a defenseman anyway, but you know, after the Philip Broberg pick, it's nice that we know that. Oh, but but just just don't. He said if don't. someone high on the list drops, that they'll take him. But I I just hope it doesn't happen. So it's looking just like let either... me just let me say you know he says they're not. Preston, he's lied to your face a few times. But I don't I don't want to think he's even every time I think he can't go lower, he goes lower. So maybe he does take a defenseman. But you know he's got a shovel. Off, he's digging that limbo bar. Okay. What we're going off is that um, he's not taking a defenseman. So I think it's down to obviously two options. It's going to be a goaltender <laughs> or it's going to be a forward. And uh, I think a few weeks ago when I wrote this Sebastian Casa prospect profile, uh, Casa was around the 15 to 25 He was range. 14. He was 14 well, he was on 14. McKenzie's mid-rankings. I think, he's gone, I think he's gone up now in the final ranking. So I'm oh, starting to Oh, for crying down. out loud. <laughs> I think, I think um, it, the possibility of Casa or Wallstead potentially dropping to the others has gone down quite a bit. I actually think both of them will be gone. Rude. (laughs) That leaves uh, a forward. And two guys that I've talked about on the site uh, have been Brennan Othman and Atu Ratti. And Atu Ratti is an interesting player because uh, he has all the technical skills. He's a really good forward. He's got all the offensive abilities. He's he's actually not bad as as an energy forward who can come back and help out defense and kind of throw around the body. But his decision-making and his uh, hockey IQ need need some polishing up. So he's kind of a guy that... um, he was highly ranked going into this year, but he's dropped down quite a bit because so the physical's all here. there, but the mental game's not. Yeah, so he's kind of like a, a risky. I think he's a riskier pick than let's say a Brennan Othman, who is a guy who has the mental side, but his skating's a little behind. But as we've seen in Edmonton, it's a, it's not hard for players to go into a summer and improve their skating. Look at Leon Drysaddle, Evan Bouchard's currently going through it. He's looked a lot better, so. I am currently leaning towards Brennan Othman. He had a f- great year with uh, the Flint Firebirds. I believe he played in Switzerland this past year and put up decent numbers. Yeah, well, he couldn't have played in the OHL because they didn't play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why he was in Switzerland. So I think that's a guy that the Oilers should be prioritizing over Ratty. Hold on. Simply because, oh, no. simply because I think um, Ratty will take longer to develop. I think he's going to need a, a few more years in Finland before he can actually come to North America and first off adjust to the game and then be successful in the North American game. Whereas Othman is, uh, he's closer. I think he might need a year to work on skating, but if he gets it, he could, he can make the team possibly not next year, but the season after, or, or ch- at least challenge for a spot like Dylan Holloway. So that's where I'm leaning there. I, I do have one more prospect profile I have to do. I think I was going beyond either LaSalle, Fabian LaSalle or Matthew Coronato. I'm, I'm down I've to those good two, things so. about LaSalle. Mm-hmm. You know, I just can't the say much about them because I haven't done my deep dive things. on them. I'm cutting it close with draft day tomorrow, but uh, yeah, Othman is where I'm leaning. Yeah, Othman is not the one that was no, because the one that came back with a sexual assault um, incidents was in Sweden. So that's not that one. No, I think that guy actually re- renounced himself from the draft, or he's he said they doesn't want anyone to draft him. Hmm. Well. Whether he wants anyone to draft him or not, he could still be in the draft pool. Yeah. Um, 
So, but I'm yeah, still stay what away. I'm still stay away. I don't think. Yeah, I was gonna say that. you got enough sexual assault scandals. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We already have talking kids. We don't need anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, do you have anyone like burning prospects? You think? No. You waiting for them to this take you ever so you can evaluate it. Usually I have like six or seven names. This year has been completely fucked up to, for lack of a better word. I just, I haven't been as, uh, as deeply invested as I have been in recent years. So 19 is an odd number for, well, it is literally an odd number, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's just like, you don't know who's going to be around. It's not late enough that you like you're really going after dark horse guys like you might have some like all, all the names that you're bringing up are guys who like you know they're solid first round picks but not like top end first round picks it's a very weird number to get into the draft i find yeah i'll leave you That's guys what with happens this. when you're mediocre good Corey. yeah i'll enough. leave you guys with this um the stanley cup winning goaltender andre vasileski he was the 19th overall pick by the Bay lightning so maybe a goaltender falling there is a uh, is a good old as well Hans Smythe winner. Like. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So maybe yeah, he wore his hat. It was really great. <laughs> I thought it was adorable. People Goals. have a, people are, are are losing their minds about Kucherov uh, wearing that eighteen million dollars over the cap. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Oh no, that's awesome. Yeah, like you it, should want legal. a GM who who thinks of something like that. I want my GM well, you know to piss off other teams, not to piss yes. off me. Piss off other teams, not me. Yeah, go yeah, go exactly go did, aggravate so. other teams' fans by being so good that they want you gone. You know, so good at your exactly. job that they want you gone. Especially since I pay you five million dollars to do your job, no one pays me five million dollars to do my job that badly. <laughs> They'd fire me. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. I hope that by the time this comes out on noon tomorrow, Friday. Uh, draft day that uh, the Oilers haven't done anything that outdated us. I know with the last podcast, we're talking about Tyler Benson being taken. And by the time it went out, I think, or maybe it was the day after um, Adam Larson was taken. So I completely rendered our whole conversation mute. So hopefully they haven't signed uh, Tyson Berry. They haven't traded for Ristolainen and we go into a draft day with a little oh, bit and of if hope. they haven't signed for Zach Hyman at eight years. <laughs> at or at eight years, isn't there one realistic? Hopefully the Oilers do something good. I'll leave you guys on a positive note with that Vasilevsky uh, tidbit. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys uh, next week sometime. Hopefully the Oilers don't do anything stupid. All right, bye-bye.